somatics is the study of the body and its wholeness and all the modalities that allow us to make the implicit explicit. So to bring the things that are living within our mind body, uh, that's one word, mind body, as implicit memory, as the way the machine has just operated since something scary happened, the things that thereby are living in our subconscious, we bring those into the consciousness, right? We make them explicit, meaning we can see them, we can effectively hold them in our hands and say, here is the ouchie that led me to believe I'm not worthy of love, all dogs are scary, I can't go out, I shouldn't drive in the rain, no one will ever love me if I'm not perfect, right? And I'm giving examples from the like, whatever, to the like, whoa, right? And so those are all written into our nervous system as these patterns, these operating patterns that rule our lives until we do the work through somatic practices, body-based practices, to get to know what the heck is, what's the story under there? Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. I'm your host, Nicole Ingram. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, to say that I'm excited to introduce you to this week's guest is probably an understatement. Maria Victoria Albina is a master certified somatic life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide. She has a passion for helping humans socialized as women realize that they are their own best healer by reconnecting with their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and reclaim their joy. She's the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast. She holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health and a BA in Latin American Studies from Oberlin College. Frankly, y'all, she's absolutely brilliant and such an incredible human. Hannah and I loved getting to know Maria Victoria and explore the mind-body connection a little bit more. We talked all about somatic practices, the marriage of science and the sacred, and how we can find our way back home to ourselves. You are in for an incredible next little bit. So without further ado, our new friend, Maria Victoria. Well, Maria Victoria, we are so excited to chat with you. I think I am excited just to be friends with you. I read your bio and kind of when Cher reached out, I was like, I want to know more. So if you could just take an opportunity to describe to us, maybe in a couple sentences, how would you describe the work that you do um, with your clients and with yourself even? Yeah. So my work is the place where the science and the sacred meet. I am. Mm, I love that. Mm, yeah, it's yeah, a good one. Right? I'm already. <laughs> you know, I will. You know, I will. I'm a nerd's nerd who is also a witchy witch. I'm obsessed with neuroscience. I come from medicine and public health. And so I'm really, really into the neuroscience of how somatic practice works, right? Like thinking about the, the medial frontal cortex and how it like has an amygdala break, like, come on, that's amazing. But also like, 
let's talk about the moon phases and let's talk about our menstrual cycles and let's talk about, right? Like, let's get witchy on it. Let's talk about our connection with Pachamama, with our earth mother and the seasons and rest, right? Let's talk Mm. about what's sacred and let's talk about mitochondria. They are the same. Mm. It's just two different languages for talking about the same thing. And my work is all about accessibility and how can we make these complex topics accessible so that people can get it. I use a lot of metaphora. I love a good, I'm a South American. We love a good metaphor, a very lengthy metaphor indeed. And I'm always asking how I can make these complex topics something people can sink their little teeth into and make part of their daily lives so we can start making teeny tiny change. And so that's the work I'm in is supporting people in making change so they can reclaim their authenticity because that's what Mm. so many of us have lost contact with, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. How did you fall into this? Like, did you fall into nerd first, witchy first? Have you always had a combo of both? Like, what kind of led you to where you are? Yeah, I think it was a concurrence. So I went to Oberlin for undergrad, uh, which is like a pretty Mm -hmm. radical place in general. That's why you go to Oberlin. And I was there in the late 90s, which was like a particularly spicy time to be at Oberlin. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) And one of the things that really sparked all of this was this course I took. It was a a community-based women's health course that was part Mm -hmm. feminist theory, and it was then called women's studies, that sort of of corner of the world, plus like bringing in midwives and herbalists and doulas and physicians, right? And, And really starting to help us then young women, you know, uh, first years in college, because there's no freshman at Oberlin, uh, first years. Oh, I love first. that place. First years. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No hierarchical language around here. And, um, <laughs> but really talking to us about becoming our own advocates and how the patriarchy impacts our health and how it impacts our health care. And it, it really just got my little head moving in a new direction. I went to Oberlin thinking I was going to graduate a, a, an artist, right? That I was going to do all studio art and make silkscreen and prints. And and I ended up doing some of that, but I really, I got this bug for health and wellness out sort of outside the like nerdy study of it, but Mm -hmm. it really felt like a, like a passion place for me. So after college, Mm -hmm. I became a doula. I became an uh, herbalist. And once I was doing that for a while, that was when I really realized I miss words like mitochondria. I love talking about the Golgi apparatus. Like, and I want to be able to do lab work and, and take this nerdetry deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what led me to go to UCSF and become a nurse practitioner and then study functional medicine. And, and all of that led me to realize that what really, really was underneath everything I was treating with herbs, with nutrition, with uh, supplements, with Western medicine, what was under it all was somatics and trauma. And mm. that taking B12 is wicked important. Right. And what's the trauma that's keeping you in a stress cycle? That means your adrenals are exhausted. That means you need extra B12 beyond what you're getting from your healthy diet. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Man, Victoria, you are talking our language. At Onsite, Woo-hoo! we um, dive into this topic of mind and body so often. Yeah. Um, we have a functional medicine doctor that comes into our residential trauma program and really does kind of marry those two worlds yeah. of let's deal with your trauma in conjunction with our psychiatrist. And let's also just treat the medical things that are going on in your body. And so I think, can you talk about that mind body connection and why 
we tend to like go in one of those camps, but not both. I love how you're marrying them together, but so often it's like, let's focus just on the mind and the science side of it, or let's just go to the body and the witchy side of that. So what is totally, why do we do that? And then why is there beauty in, you know, bringing them together? Yeah. I mean, I will throw Descartes the whole way under the bus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that, that concept of mind body dualism really came into our consciousness then. Right. And was propagated in this framework that the, that's, that taught us that the mind is the, the primary vehicle and the body's just this meat suit carrying us around, right. That the mind is exalted and physical labor is for plebes. And sitting around thinking is for those chosen by God, right? These are not my words, people, right? This is this is a whole conversation. And that has trickled into like every aspect of the way most of us are thinking about our ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And Western medicine, allopathic Western medicine has continued that hierarchical thinking where being smart and fueling the brain is the most important thing. And thinking our way through our connection with our body is the right way Mm. to do it, you know? Mm. And anything that really seeks to allow the body to heal itself by bringing Mm. our energy to the felt experience Mm -hmm. is woo-woo in a bad way, like woo-woo garbage, like woo-woo trash, right? Like, ugh, whatever. They're going to heal through yoga. Fine. Okay. Have you tried a Xanax? Right? Right. And so I think that's really, that split is what has happened, where there's just a real derision for anything that's mind-body by those in allopathic medicine. And obviously here I'm speaking in generalizations. I think there's an ever-growing populace of clinicians like myself, right, who who see that that the the combined place, the holistic place, is is the place where people really truly heal. But I think if we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Western medicine, allopathic medicine as a whole, there's a real distrust of anything that smells witchy, anything that smells like right. the sacred, honestly, right? And I think that if we back it up, is is real evidence of the roles of the patriarchy, white settler yeah. colonialism, and late stage capitalism. Yeah in what our healthcare looks like and healthcare writ large, right? Our physical healthcare and our mental healthcare, which just even the fact that I'm like talking about two different systems is really problematic, right? Like my partner and I are turning part of our house into a a meditation space where we're going to teach classes, which is really exciting. And the gentleman who's working on it today, he's Venezuelan, I'm Argentine, and we were talking about the importance of the afternoon siesta, Right. How like the whole world in Latin America and parts of Europe is closed from two to three thirty. Right. So you can digest your food and evolutionarily, if we think polyvagal theory wise, so that, you know, because you're slow after you've eaten, your blood is in your stomach, not in your fighting and your flighting parts. And so you should be at the back of the cave napping. Right. That's the safest Mm. thing evolutionarily. And Mm. that kind of rest and prioritization of the body over production is not the American way, right? right? And so when we look, when we look at the quotidian, when we look at how we are living our daily lives, it's that evidence that the mind and body have been split culturally, right? Mm. And and are not given importance as the vehicles for healing, right? Mm. That the drug does the work for you. The allopath does the work for you. And it's not about really attending to ourselves as mammals. Mm. 
I just want to follow you around everywhere because I'm I'm like eating up every word you're saying. I think, it's so <laughs> I, think so I love sweet. I love like yeah, I mean I'm so interested by this. I would love yeah. if you could speak more to the um, impact of the patriarchy and capitalism and our society and how that's impacted it because I think a lot of people are getting more comfortable with the woo-woo side of healing as you right say, on. Like, let's it. go but not even really comfortable with why we may mm. like need that I think it's like okay we're and accepting alternate forms or I'm accepting that healing might be a little bit more holistic like self-care is becoming more normalized body work is becoming more normalized but it's like I venture to think that a lot of people would find it rather uncomfortable to think about like why we've kept these things separate and the things that have impacted and led us to these points. So I'd love if you could expand on like from your research and knowledge, like how have those things more directly impacted our health? How has the patriarchy impacted our health or our health care or both? Yeah. Both, yes, I guess. Just yeah. yes. <laughs> well, a number one, there's nothing to sell when the earth is your medicine. Hmm. Mm, that's good. Right. So in my yard right now, I can see snake root. I can see sassafras. I, can, I mean, the sass has barely come up. I can see stinging nettles. Right. Like I can see some bad blueberries. You know, there's just buds, but soon blueberries there shall be. Like I can see medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's artemisia. Right. There's mugwort right there. Like there's medicine for free in my yard. There's medicine for free all over New York City and Dallas and Tennessee. Like the earth provides, right? right? And Mm. so within a capitalist framework and a patriarchal framework that would take the power out of the hands of the people and put it into the hands of specially trained, licensed, institutionalized forms of medicine, we need to to pay to be well. Right, right. And that system propagates itself when the medical system, and I say this having been a primary care provider in the allopathic medical system for a decade, it's the one pill for one ill system. So you have heartburn, so we give you a medicine that turns your digestion off. The problem with turning your digestion off is that your digestion is off. That's the primary problem, followed by (laughs) if the proton pumps in your stomach aren't working, you're not going to be able to digest B12, right? You're not to be able to do metabolism and get B12 into the bloodstream, uh, then you're going to get sad. And you're going to get sad because science. And then the Mm long-term risks of things like dementia increases because science, because of the vital role that the B vitamins play in in mental health, in mood, in energy, and in in aging, right? And so, and, and memory over time. And so... That system keeps you locked into that system. Allopathic medicine is amazing at emergencies. Right. I am mm. so grateful it exists because if you have a car accident, you fall down a flight of stairs, you have mm-hmm. an acute need, there's, there's friggin' nothing better, right? Yeah. Right? A, right. a sword, a wound from a, a sword after a, right? Yes. <laughs> like, after right. like a duel, whatever. After yeah. a duel, that was the word I was trying to remember, dueling swords. Oh. There's nothing better than the emergency room. The emergency room is incredible, yeah. right? The fact that we can intubate people and then give them IV antibiotics. Mm. Get out of here. It's amazing. I love antibiotics in proper use. Reactive and not proactive. Is kind of what I've yes, been, you know, exactly. hearing you say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's antibiotics growing in my backyard too. 
right? Mm. Like there's echinacea, there's golden seal, there's Oregon grape mm. on my porch. And so mm. it, the allopathic system has made us dependent on it for our wellness. And we forget yeah. that we are nature. We are, nature is us as humans. And we do have what we need, right, to be mm. well. Hearing you say we have what we need, that's something we really believe in at OnSite, that, that people are able to heal and we have innately what we need in our bodies and in community and things like that. But I like, like taking us back to a part of, earlier in the conversation, you said you did this um, more traditional medicine side, then you did the witchy side, and then you kind of said underneath this is trauma and yes. needing to address the trauma in a somatic way. I'd love for you yes. to speak to that. And, and you can kind oh, of, absolutely. I mean, first jump into it in kind of a, um, in a layman's term. A lot of our listeners are alumni of OnSite, so they're familiar with some somatic work. But some somatic, they, some people listening might be like, I have no idea what somatic means. And so what are you talking can about? actually identify that. Tell us what that okay, means. And Perfect. Why do we need to address trauma in that way? And why is right that on. the root cause of all these other issues in the mind-body? Oh my God, I'm like ex- exploding to talk about this. I love it so much. So, uh, I'm watching you like itch, 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 Like it gets me, yes, I'm very nerdily excited. So, soma means body in Greek. Of course, nerds start with etymology always. Somatics, soma, body in Greek. Somatics is the study of the body and its wholeness and all the modalities that allow us to make the implicit explicit. So to bring the things that are living within our mind body, uh, that's one word, mind body, as implicit memory, as the way the machine has just operated since something scary happened, the things that Mm. thereby are living in our subconscious, we bring those into the consciousness, right? We make them Mm. explicit, meaning we can see them, we can effectively hold them in our hands and say, here is the ouchie that led me to believe I'm not worthy of love. All dogs are scary. I can't go out. I shouldn't drive in the rain. No one will ever love me if I'm not perfect, right? And I'm giving examples from the like, whatever to the like, whoa, right? And so those are all written into our nervous system as these patterns, these operating patterns that rule our lives until we do the work through somatic practices, body-based practices, Mm -hmm to get to know what the heck is, what's the story under there, right? What on earth is the story? So, for example, I had a client who I was working with doing somatic experiencing work, and she, and I brought up the rain thing because she got anxious when it was raining. Which if you're living in New York, there's a couple really challenging months for you, by which I mean (laughs) over half the year, right? Like we don't live in Arizona, it's challenging. And through this process of talking with her body and creating and holding the space for those implicit memories, the ones you cannot see, Mm -hmm. to be seen, Mm -hmm. it helped us to realize that there was a coupling there where she had, when she was a little girl, had been in a car accident. She didn't even really remember because she was like five Mm -hmm. that happened in the rain. Mm -hmm. So like her dad was driving and lost control of the car in the rain. Mm-hmm. And since then, she's mm-hmm. been scared of the rain, but never really put it together, right? And so that's yeah. not that's not a process that we could have. It, it's unlikely we would have gotten to see that coupling through talk therapy, mm-hmm. right? Like it had never come up in talk therapy before because when she talked about it, what all she knew to say was, 
oh my God, it makes no sense that I'm scared of the rain. That's like so dumb. I can't believe I get anxious in the rain. Can you refill my Xanax? Mm. Thanks. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through somatic practices, we were able to, f- her body told us what the truth was mm-hmm. because the body wants, it wants to tell us, right? It wants our conscious mind to know, hey, I'm holding on to this thing and it's really scary and it sucks. And I just, I'm just a small little animal because we're small, right? Mm-hmm. Look at rhinos. Yeah. I'm just a small animal carrying this really lousy, heavy thing. And like, can I please be unburdened? Can I please tell you my grown up together with this other safe grown up, right? The, the therapeutic mm-hmm. alliance is really vital here. You two mm-hmm. safe humans yeah. hold this for me. And when the body is able to unburden and to release those things it carries, we, we as, the, as the adult human, we are unburdened and can live life with more ease, more comfort, more joy, more pleasure, more excitement and improved health. So now if we pause yeah. and go deep nerd on it, or we can, we can even go like medium nerd, but either okay. way, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, watch out. Do you, do you, you know what you're asking for. <laughs> oh, well, so the nervous system, our steady state as humans is something called ventral vagal. It is the uh-huh. yeah. uh, nervous system state. And I know y'all talk about this 24 seven, but we're just going to do the, the quick one one on it. Cause why not? No, it's, it's our steady state. Yeah, it's great to have it. Yeah. Right? It's nice. Yeah, it's like two peace signs, which is how I remember it. Ventral vagal. Like, yay, we're peaceful. We're safe. We're social. Two peace signs. Ventral vagal. We're chill. I love a mnemonic. And in this is our natural state because we are pack animals. Yeah. Remember, once again, mm. we are small. And we are small when we think not of chipmunks, but cheetahs. Right? When we think of rhinos, mm. when we think of... Gators, when we think of lions, when we think of the things that can really murder us in the night or in the day if they feel yeah. so moved, we are small and we need each other, right? Yeah. Whatever our design has uh, eyeballs on the front of our head only and our heads don't swivel all the way around, which means mm-hmm. I need someone standing behind me so that I can be safe, mm-hmm. Right. And so just to to loop back to the patriarchy, white settler colonialism and late stage capitalism, those systems thrive when we live in a concept of individualism. When we think Mm. it's rugged individualism, it's me healing me. I do my healing alone, just me and a therapist just talking, that's just it. And your model Mm. is so beautiful because it's community-based. My work is community-based. Everything I do is community-based. Because that is how our nervous systems can heal when we are with other mm-hmm. nervous systems. And when we are right. held by the, by the healing that comes from the nervous systems of facilitators, right? Of the, the providers right. yeah. who come to facilitate and support our healing. That was me diplomatically trying mm. to not say healers. I'm really moving away mm-hmm. from that word because we are each our own healer and no one can heal anyone else, but we can hold space for healing. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things we can do is hold space for healing. So we heal in community, right? We are wounded in community. So therefore we heal in community is one of the things we say a lot. As you were talking, one of the things that I thought of is we have a guide who says, she like cites this professor who was asked, like, when do we become a civilized society? And this professor tells this story about how they found a hundred thousand year old body and when they excavated it there was like a crack in it and it had healed but the femur 
was broken and healed. And it said in this moment, because this person would not have been able to exist on their own. They would have needed the power of community to be able to heal this wound, continue to survive and not get eaten literally from a survival standpoint. And so I think just the the collective nature of that and how that is our civilized nature when maybe we think the separation actually is what makes us civilized. It just turns that idea up on its head for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love this conversation with Maria Victoria. So much of it felt in line with the work that I began during my on-site living centered experience. And frankly, that I continue today. Untangling the beliefs that kept me disconnected, embracing somatic body work, and leaning into the power of community have been absolutely life transformational for me. If this conversation has struck something in you, we want to invite you to find healing at on-site in the coming months. While we offer a range of transformational experiences designed to help you experience outer change through inner healing, our life-changing group workshops are designed to help you grow and heal within community. Utilizing somatic and experiential modalities, OnSite specializes in helping you discover all of you. You can visit experienceonsite.com to explore our offerings or connect with one of our team members at one 800 Three four one seven four three two. I don't say uh, repeatedly the most impactful experience side of people's experience is the is the group part. I think people yeah. go in thinking yeah. their own transformation, and and sure. that happens through group, through connection, through relationship, through other people. Yep. I think there's 100%. like, um, you know, even with our work and with other work, I think there's sometimes this like belief people can have going into it like oh why would I pay money to do go do this and be vulnerable in front of other people I could just pay to go have this therapist one-on-one with me like I want the attention on me I want to heal my things and that is like we don't do it to be cost effective (laughs) we do it because (laughs) that's like better for our health it's better we get the healing community we're not like totally being cheap and shoving people in a room together it's like very, very intentional and needed oh, for yeah. us to be in community and relationship with one another. Right. Because that is the way that people, not only like when I'm doing a piece of work myself or doing something somatic about my story or a narrative I have, right. but also when, if I was in a room with Mackenzie and she was doing that, like I get right. a feel through her feeling and we yes. see different parts of our story in yes. other people. Right. And that is, can be just as, if not more impactful for people's healing. Oh, I yeah, completely, because your nervous system isn't in the hot seat, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, your nervous system gets to be chill and be like, oh, snap. My my childhood was a lot like that. My relationship with my mom's a lot oh, like that, yeah. et cetera, yeah. right? And you get to, like, see that with a little cognitive distance instead of being, right. like, in it because you're the one talking. Yeah, absolutely. I've never put that together. That's so good. Right. I think with trauma yeah. specifically, um, like why maybe you can speak to that a little bit, but with yeah. the brain, um, from my understanding of it, like trauma is stored in a specific part of our brain. And when we and it's stored in our bodies and, and we are a brain and we are a body and all of these yeah, things. Yeah, but, I get what you mean. Um, 
you know, but talk therapy, traditional therapy often only accesses certain parts of our brain. And I know I've heard Miles, our, our CEO say, like, if I tell you about something, it activates one part of your brain. If I show you it, it activates two parts of your brain. But if we do something together, it activates all three parts of your brain. And so can you speak a little bit to like where trauma is stored in our bodies and kind of speak to that side of the healing? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So my brain, my brain immediately goes to, well, the hippocampus, but also the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain. And it mm-hmm. has a relatively, bi- it's not as binary as the, as the limbic system, which is the reptil- reptilian brain. It's just a lot more Ooh, fun if you say oh, that. Okay. <laughs> reptilian brain. That is like wicked binary, right? That's like, that is a lion that's a tabby cat and and there there shall be nothing in between right and so limbic and amygdala work very closely together but the amygdala is like yo freak out freak out panic freak out and when it does right. that i'm going to loop back to a previous question about the nervous system stress trauma and our health when the amygdala gets activated mm-hmm. to send us into fight or flight when it says release the adrenaline death is near we got to get the hell out of here or i cried and no one's coming panic, right? That's like Mm -hmm. the whole attachment cry in children. If no one comes, ah, I am not safe. Yeah. That not just releases adrenaline. It also shuts down digestion. It also shuts Mm -hmm. down the thyroid. Mm -hmm. It also shuts down reproductive function. Heart and lungs are not doing their normal thing. They're racing, right? Your heart beats, your heart rate variability is garbage, right? Right. And um, you're ready to to punch a lion in the nose or to run as fast as you can out of there. So that cheeseburger you just ate, do you think you're going to digest that? Hmm? Yeah. No, no. So both fight or flight and dorsal, which is the shutdown, non-ventral vagal, Mm -hmm. non-safe and social, the the responding distress non-peace sign, mm-hmm. the responding to stress, distress, and trauma, either in the present or a flashback to the past, those mm. stop our bodies from doing any vital functions other than panicking, other than shutting down, right? Mm. So why do we need to heal trauma for our health? Because you don't have health when you're, you're going yeah. back to these traumatic events and you're not right. having completion, right? And the somatic practices give us a way to give the nervous system completion to pass stress, distress, mm-hmm. and trauma, right? And so right. that yeah. when you then do a somatic practice and you come back, uh, when you have that thought again of like, let's say the rain and the car accident, just because it's it's a simple, easy one, the next rainy day after you've done somatic practices with a practitioner like me or at one of your retreats and you see the rain, your bre- your brain the median frontal cortex in the brain will now actually stop the amygdala. So it'll use something called the amygdala break. And so you'll see the rain Mm. or hear the rain. And the usual neuron pathway is to boom, turn the amygdala on fear, panic, freak out, or dorsal, which is the shutdown. Oh man, Mm. I can't go outside. I I don't know why, but I feel I'm doom, right? Outside is doom. Mm -hmm. That signal pathway is blocked by the new Mm. story. It's like there's a cassette tape in your brain that said rain, doom, rain, panic, rain, freak out, run by the amygdala. And now that there's just a new cassette tape and it's just like rain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Cheese sandwich. Mm. Let's play chess. Rain. Nothing. Like nothing. It's just like, okay. Mm. Ritz crackers. Yeah. It's neutral. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned um, the concept of like how it's affecting you in the present or what's happening in the past. And even this rain example, like this was something she had suppressed. She didn't know that was no idea. They didn't know that that was activating them in the present. One of our clinicians say that trauma isn't what happened to you. It's what is happening to you. And mm-hmm. like how we can form like new pathways, like you just mentioned, it will continue to happen to us. Even if we've, you know, to push through or whatever, whatever like form of coping we've done to get past it. We haven't really, we've just like formed a different relationship with it. And it's still affecting us over and over and over until we can change the way it works in our brain and move, move through it. Yep. Mm, Exactly. That's so good. Yeah. And I love that you're saying like when we continue to exist in this state of fight or flight and like the trauma has constantly got us on a high alert, we don't have health. Right. And I think hearing this information, like let's say it's maybe the first time that I've put that together to say like, right. oh, I always had stomach issues or right. oh, I constantly have these headaches or I feel right. like I'm carrying this all the time. Like if we're starting to realize that and unpack it, it could almost, I mean, from my own, my own story, like starting to do this work has been a little intimidating to say, okay, okay I can cognitively recognize what happened to me is continuing to happen in my body. But what do I do with it? How do I not just treat mm. these symptoms? So what would be your encouragement to someone to like, how would they lean into the somatic work? What could be a, a first step to take something that feels really big, just down to the present and kind of ground it for them? Yeah. So the first step is to, <laughs> I want to say don't panic because <laughs> I feel, because I yeah. hear that from folks, right? So when you were yeah. raised like most of us in the U.S. and like the global North were with the story that one pill for one ill and you're like, yo, right. I, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I, I thought I could take a drug and it would cure this. And now you're telling yeah. me I'm like effed if I don't. Right. Wait, what? If my tummy ah. hurts, it seems take a pill than yeah. to address my trauma. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no, I'm just going to chug Tums. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But, like, also let's acknowledge it is, right? Sure. It's like the middle sucks, but the end is or has been here. Why don't I just speak to my own experience? In my own experience, yeah. when I was taking an omeprazole for my heartburn, that felt easier. But sure. once I yeah. learned that I wasn't actually healing my body and that there were right. – you know, I was also limited, right? I wouldn't drink coffee or alcohol or have spicy foods because like I didn't know what my tummy was going to do. I didn't know what was going to happen, right? I was you know, there were there were things that were limiting me around like my IBS. My point is, when we are dependent on something outside of ourselves to cover up our symptoms every day, we are not standing in our power and our autonomy. I think that's actually where I want to go. Good. Right. And when we do this arduous, painful, exhausting work (laughs) on the other side of using somatic practices to heal our stress, distress and trauma is this deeper sense of embodiment, a deeper Mm -hmm. sense of self, a greater awareness of who we are, a capacity to stand in our authenticity and our autonomy to really, truly Mm. have our own backs because we've been through it with us. Right. And mm-hmm. we've learned yeah. how what it feels like somatically in the body to be our greatest champions. Right. And not mm-hmm. to just take a pill and hope it goes away, but to actually show up for yeah. ourselves. So that's the sort of broad strokes of this work sucks. Mm-hmm. Please do it. 
right? right. If you feel yeah. so moved, like uh, it's an invitation always, right? But on the other yeah. side of it, there are, I, I feel like the little mermaid, I'm like, there's beauties untold, right? Like <laughs> it's like, you can't even know how magical and wonderful life is on right. the other side of suppressing your emotions until you stop suppressing your mm. emotions. Right. I had no right. clue. Right. I had no mm-hmm. idea that I was like living in a functional freeze and wasn't really feeling my feelings. And then maybe was having GI symptoms all day, every day for 30 plus years. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. And I think a quick sidebar is needed. I'm a clinician. I'm not saying somatics are the only way to heal your digestive systems. Y'all, I had a parasite. Right. I had bacterial overgrowth. We are here right. holistically. I needed sure. some hardcore yes. drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had blastocystis hominis. I needed to murder it with antibiotics and then herbs, but then (laughs) it wouldn't actually stay away until I did the somatic piece. Right. Right. So the medicine Mm, makes it go away and the somatics makes it stay away. I've never said that before, but that's that's pretty dope. That's like, that was good. That's coined. That was like, let's put that on a t-shirt. That was really good. I know. I'm ready to have it on a tote bag. It's really good. Right? I love a good tote bag. I don't know a ton about your work, but you yourself have a podcast called Feminist Wellness. Is that correct? That is correct. I identify as woman and Mm -hmm. I'd love to, if you have, why do you have a podcast called Feminist Wellness? Is there something about us as women, as me as woman in the healing process? Can you speak to kind of the feminine part of healing, kind of what interests you in that area? Yeah, well, I mean, I I believe in an intersectional feminism that looks Mm -hmm. beyond Mm -hmm. sex and gender and looks at the intersection of of race, of class, of immigration status, of ability, and really looks at all the things that lead to the marginalization of, of bodies and lived experiences yeah. and asks, how are these social determinants of health impacting our health, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we look, and I'm not going to complicate attachment theory, we can do that on another conversation, but when we look at what mm-hmm. the true determinants of mental health concerns, let's paint this with a very broad brush, very much on purpose. Don't come at me, nerds, like I'm making this simple <laughs> on purpose. I can cite sources, but you know, what we see study after study after study is the greatest determinant of mental health concerns is poverty. Mm. So who is impoverished? Who is systemically Mm. held in poverty, right? In the U.S., it's people of color. It's specifically black people and specifically black women, right? And Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that. Let's talk about what leads to health and what keeps people from health on a Mm. systems-based level. Right. And then even backing up when I was sick myself and I went to allopath after allopath, mostly physicians, right? Doctor after doctor after doctor, the number of times I was given the brush off, right? People would just like sort of when I was younger, talk over my head and like just sort of send me home with a pat on the head and like, oh, honey, it's just stress. Like the number of times Mm. I heard really fancy doctors at very fancy places tell me, oh, honey, you're just stressed. Mm -hmm. Right. When I turned out to have blastocystis humming, like I had a nasty spirochete of a parasite. Like that guy's a jerk. Right. Mm -hmm. That is the patriarchy in action. Right. We tell humans Mm -hmm. socialize as women. We tell women writ large, like the problem's you. The problem's your stress. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm right. stressing your little lady brain, your little lady body, right? <laughs> like, allopathy is is pejorative to women, 
And then we yeah. can look intersectionally, like who dies in childbirth in the U.S.? Black women, right? right? So, women. so we can look at the general level that the patriarchy hurts women. Right. The hate, patriarchy mm-hmm. also hurts men, right? And yeah, people of all genders and, and sexes. The patriarchy hurts us yeah. all, right? Like how yeah. many dudes listening are like, yeah, I don't cry because I was like smacked right. every time I did. And I was told boys don't cry or, exactly. oh, you want to be a, you know, Nancy boy, I'll give you something to cry about. Like, right. Gah, right. Toxic yeah. masculinity hurts all of us and keeps us all stuck suffering in really, really painful mm-hmm. ways that are helpful only to the recreation of systems that keep us sick and suffering. Yeah. Right. And mm. so I, I will not talk about wellness in any framework without bringing in a feminist lens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not here for that. it. I feel like we could get into a whole nother conversation about. All right. That's podcast episode two. We'll all come back. We'll talk about it. It'll be a good time. Yeah. I think that's important yeah. to mention in this. Yeah, it just is unavoidable if we're going to talk about health. You know, we have to. Yeah, right. That frame. And, mm-hmm. and my passion, my work is, is two parts. I, I support folks with a, with, a, with a focus on somatics. And the other half of my work is working around what I call emotional outsourcing, which is codependent, perfectionist, yeah. and people-pleasing habits. And, and those habits mm-hmm. of putting ourselves last, trying to keep others pleased with us, trying to look perfect, right? Those are habits that are taught to all of us, but particularly to human socialize as women, as, as yeah. girls. Yes. We're taught to be good girls and yeah. be quiet girls and don't talk back and like, oh, don't make right. your father upset by having feelings, right? And these mother wounds that are generation after generation after generation in this U.S. context and culture in which we are finding ourselves are part of the patriarchy. The patriarchy made them, creates Mm -hmm. them, and propagates them, right? And we get to look at them and remember that we are part and parcel of this system, and we Mm. we, we can't truly heal until we look at the reasons why we're suffering the way we are. That's so good. I'm grateful you mentioned that it's a system because Oof. not only for the ways that in which we interact with it, but the ways that that is passed down generationally, like mm. even if we are moving further away from it generation to generation, or if I as a mother really try to instill in my kids, not those things, but also I have that. So they have that. Yes. So how that trauma you know, we have we have to heal if we want better for our future ner- generations as well. We have to heal in our own bodies. So, absolutely, hundred percent. Yep. Wow. Yep. Absolutely. That's so good. And I just, I think, even the more I do my own work, the more I I realize that there is a reward for being disconnected from your body within the system 100%. we find ourselves in, within yep. family yep. systems, within the larger societal patriarchy. Like it's rewarded to be disconnected, and so it feels almost rebellious to connect your body and to kind of take that ownership back to be like, I'm not going to, I'm not, but a part of your system. That's kind of, you know, yeah. It is rebellious. It's revolutionary. Yeah. And so we need to step out of the individualist individualized way of thinking that says, okay, well I will liberate my body because none of us are free until Mm. all of us are free. And so Mm. in the healing of of emotional outsourcing of codependency, we do need to get a little self-absorbed for like one hot minute when we've been a hundred percent other focused for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 years towards then the goal of turning the beat around and really yeah. making it about the collective. 
Right. So good. Mm. Well, Marie Victoria, what would be your just kind of encouragement that you might leave people with today? Mm. When I felt like crap physically, when it felt like my mind and my life were a hot mess, I felt like I was the only one, right? That I was like uniquely broken and that my body was like a uniquely hot mess since like no doctor could tell me what was going on. And so the encouragement I'd give to someone who feels like, you know what? I am the worst. I ruin every relationship. I always say the wrong thing. I always date losers. You know, on and on and on of whatever your story is, is that it's not you. Like, yes, there's room. We need to take personal responsibility for our choices. And what we've been talking, everything we've been talking about the last hour It is systems. It is your nervous system, your limbic system, your amygdala. It is your mind. It is your body. It is your your nervous system that was created within a family, within a religion, within a culture, within a community, within a society, within a nation state, right? Within the patriarchy, within this moment. So if you're feeling like there's nothing that can help you because you're so effed up, it's I just want you to know it's not true. Mm-hmm. And if if you feel like nobody knows how effed up you are because you're like so shiny on the outside, because that was me too. I had I went to UCSF. I had fancy medical degrees. I did, you know, like, whoa, look how shiny I am. But on the inside felt like complete garbage. You are also not alone. Yeah. Right. And just remembering mm-hmm. you're you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. good. I love, I love just that idea that even in our pain, like it's not, we're not in a vacuum of that. Like we got here and I love just saying like, of course, it makes sense. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So as we round out, we often ask people, what is one practice that keeps you centered? And so I'd love to hear from you. Like what's a practice that keeps you centered? Ooh, dance. Hundred oh, percent. Oh, I love it. Tell us yeah, more. Yeah, and, and I don't mean like fancy pants dancing. Like I, you know, not like like my sister like danced with La Mama and is like a for reals dancer. You know what I mean? Like okay, you know, choreographed fancy movements. Um, you like to wiggle. My, just like I do have to wiggle. Dancing? Just yeah, lots of kitchen. My partner and I dance constantly in the house. There's always music on, but also in my programs, both in my six month container and my my twelve week container, we dance at the end of every session. Mm. Right. Mm. So every time we meet, we we move. So it's either we talk about either like silly so like like popular songs by which I do mean Paula Abdul because come on now right. yeah. um, I also mean Gloria Stefan I definitely mean Robin like all night long <laughs> it's a good time or you know sort of what we might call more like somatic movement songs like more hippie stuff like something you might yeah. you know yeah but we just move so what that means is like yeah. several times a day three four days a week I'm dancing with a room full of 20, 30 women on Zoom. And it is friggin' mm. magical. It's so amazing. It brings me back yeah. into my body, clears my mind. There's something amazing about lip syncing to Beyonce that like is super mm. meditative. And I'm being for real earnest here, right? Like I'm yeah. my mind is clear and I'm just thinking about the lyrics to single ladies, which means I'm not thinking because it's just coming. Right. It's from the memory bank. It's not coming. It's not like a new thought. 
Right. I don't know. Some yeah. Buddhist scholar needs to write about the power of Beyonce. Yes. Just, I right? read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Well, hopefully this was the clarion call oh. that's going to get someone writing about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on. Uh-huh. I've been thinking yeah. about it. It's time. Let's implant it. Right. It's time. Go Come right on. Let's that. go. Come on. Uh-huh. Let's go. Well, thank you so much. This was thank you. so magical. I loved it so much. And, Me too. Uh, we've got to get you out to onsite. Come on out. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.